I uh, could get it turned off. I haven't learned how to handle that thing well yet. Have you got yours down, Pat? No, not yet. No? <laughs> you nodded your head up and down and said no. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to be looking at a couple of verses there in chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. But while you're looking that up, let me quote one verse to you. Uh, you know it. It's probably the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave you understand you could stop right there? I understand that, well, no, the other part is very important. God gave His only begotten Son. But certainly, love is evidenced by giving. And what I want to talk to you on this Valentine's Day about is being followers of God. If God so loved the world, then we should follow suit. Uh, we should follow in the footprints of Jesus Christ Himself, uh, who also loved the world. And we're going to be looking again at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2. And it reads like this, Be ye therefore followers of God uh, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Let's pray. Father, again, we love You. We thank You for loving us. God, we only love You because You first loved us. Uh, Lord, we, we just pray that You'll help us to love You more and more day by day as days pass by, God, as we get closer and closer uh, to being there in heaven with You rather than You being here with us. God, we can't wait to see You. We look forward to that with all of our hearts. But help us, oh God, just to be faithful to You until that day arrives. And Lord, we'll give You the praise and the glory and the honor for that. And we pray it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Amen. You know, I started to ask you to uh, change one of your songs to um, the love of God. Isn't that in one of our hymn books? Uh, I know that one of the verses goes like this. Uh, Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I love that song. That's got to be one of my very favorite songs in the hymn book. But that, that particular verse, I believe that's one of the last verses in the song. And... Uh, the guy who wrote it uh, was having was struggling coming up with that, and he found this. Uh, he didn't write this. He found it. Actually, it's over a thousand years old now. It was written in a Jewish poem, but uh, he found it um, by a man in the insane asylum that had spent years inside of an insane asylum. And when he died, and they went in and they took out all of his stuff and uh, took him out and buried him, they found that etched on the walls inside of his room in an insane asylum. Could with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? 
where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That guy may have been in an insane asylum, but I'm telling you what, he knew what was really going on in the world. And that is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Being followers of God. I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, uh, what God the Father and God the Son has done for us. When you look at the verses that I read, just the first two verses out of chapter 5, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God and walk as in love as Christ also hath loved us. So the very first thing I want you to realize is the ones who loved. It was Christ who loved us. It was God who loved us. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, that God Himself is love. Now you know a lot of people want to describe God and give you a definition and a character reference about who God is. He's you know got all of these different character traits and things. But the Bible simply puts it in in a one word statement that God is. You want to know what God is? God is love. And we're not talking about the love of the world. We're not talking about the lust of the flesh. We're not talking about the the things that uh, the world calls love. We put love, a label of love on everything. Boy, I, I love my cat. I love my dog. I love my coffee. I love chocolate ice cream. I love coconut cream pie. I love this and I love that. But my friend, listen, there's a big difference between the phileo love and the agape love. When we're talking about the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts, we're talking about agape love. We're talking about a love that does not depend on the one being loved. Now in John 3.16, I quoted that to you a while ago. I'll do it again. For God so loved the world that He gave. God so loved the world that He gave the best that He had, everything that He had. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to live a 33-year sinless perfect life first, but then to go to the cross and shed His blood and die for us, to die in our stead as an act of love. Now we read that in verse 2. It says, "...and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So for God so loved the world that He gave. What did He give? He gave His Son. Jesus Christ so loved the world that He was willing to go in obedience to God the Father and to give. To give what? Well, to give Himself for us. A sacrifice. for So on Valentine's Day, if I don't understand anything else, that this milk toast thing that the world calls love is nothing in comparison to what true, genuine love, the love of God, is really all about. You see, the love of the world wants to take. Uh, they get upset if you neglect them or if you don't spend the time or if you don't give what it is they feel like they deserve or they feel like they need. But you know what I found out? That I, I found out that it's, it's much more satisfying to love than to be loved. Now I'm thankful for the love of my wife. Me and her has been uh, sharing our love with each other now for 33 plus 
years, and I'm looking forward to at least another 10 or so. I don't think I want another 30, darling. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be too old, but uh, that's, you know, we'll, we'll spend that in heaven together. But uh, the, the love that we share with each other, the reciprocal love that goes back and forth, you see, that's the thing that we have with God. For God loved us and we love Him because He first loved us. We would never be able to love Him had He not first loved us. And when I said that it is, it is more satisfying to love than to be loved, you see, that is the agape type of love. Most people in the world today, they want to be loved. I need to be loved. I need somebody in my life to love me, to care for me. But my friend, listen, God created us. Now I remember somebody the other day talking about this God-shaped hollow spot inside of our heart. If there is a God-shaped hollow spot on the inside of our hearts, it is the God-shaped hollow spot not of God Himself, but of the love that God has for us. You see, when God loves us, that that inspires, that turns a, flips a switch in our heart, in our life, that makes us want to give that love back. We love Him because He first loved us, so we give it back to Him. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. His love for me, my love for Him. His love through me to a lost and dying world. To love other people that are in the same condition and position that I am in. And to love my wife. Listen, even to love her is more satisfying than for her to love me. Well, it is at least... For me, I hope the opposite is true for her. But do you understand what a picture that paints of the love of God, of what true love is really all about? But also Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Now wait a minute. You tell me, you know, to know the love of Christ is this, this huge monumental thing but then you tell me, well, it's, it's past or which passeth knowledge or human understanding is really what that means. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You want to know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? That He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That Jesus Christ gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man. And when He became a man, in that person of Jesus Christ was the fullness of the Godhead. What is the Godhead? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, bodily in the flesh right here in front of us. You want to know what it means for us to be filled with the fullness of God? It's to be filled with the fullness of the agape love of God. The God living on the inside of us. Old things passed away. Of course, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. By the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, the Christ, is the Son of this living, loving God. He is the very image of God the Father. Well, listen, aren't we supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ? And the image of Christ is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, but the greatest of these, remember, now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But it's only the greatest of these if it is the love of God. The love of man pales 
in comparison to the love of God. That's why we live in a, in a Bible belt down in, in the South where the uh, divorce rate in America is 50%, but here in the Bible Belt, why is it 51%? Shouldn't it be like 40% or 30% or how about 0%? Wouldn't that be good if we could hit a 0% divorce rate? How would that be possible? Well, to have the love of God shed abroad in our heart, my love for you, your love for me, our love for God, our love for each other, people living in harmony. I believe there's been songs sang about that. My friend, I want you to realize something. He is also the Son of Man made in the likeness of sinful flesh. You say, well, for Jesus Christ to, to have that type of love, that the Son of, of God, the Son uh, of the, the living, loving God made Him. But listen, He lived His life. And I say it all the time. He lived His life as a man. There's nothing that He did that we can't do. Uh, you say, well, He walked on water. He raised the dead. Well, I'm talking about when it comes to love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart just like it was shed abroad in His heart. Well, not only the ones who loved, which God so loved the world and Christ loved us as well, but what are, we are the objects of His love. You look again at verse 2 and it says, "...and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us." Aren't you glad that you are the object of His affection? That you, Listen, the whole world is not... You think, oh, well, I'm, no, I'm nothing special. Well, I'm not really anything special. But for me to have the love of God shed abroad in my heart is in itself special. That God loved me from before the foundation of the world and chose me to be a, a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. My friend, I'll tell you what, that, uh, that is special, not in and of ourselves but just in and of being the object of His affection. Well, when, when did Christ love us? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, uh, while we were yet sinners. Boy, I love that. That used to be one of my, well, it used to be my favorite verse. They've changed 20 times through the years. But that verse says this, but God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't love us because we were good. Christ didn't love us because we first loved Him. I know there's a verse in 1 John that says if we love Him, then He will love us. But he, we're talking about the actions that we do based upon the love of God that was already shed abroad in our hearts. So, not only when, when did He love us? Well, when we were yet sinners, but how? With a love that is divine. That means all-embracing, complete, stronger than death. He loved us more than the fallen angels. You realize that He allowed the angels to fall and to stay there. Falling. No hope. No love of God in their lives. The agape love of God. The agape love of God is the exact same thing as the grace of God that moves in our hearts, illuminates our minds, draws us to Himself, and saves our soul. It's not the love of God that gives us the opportunity to be saved, but does it give the opportunity to the angels? No. The love of God, that agape love of God, actually has an effect in the person that it was given to. The effect is regeneration. The effect is illumination. The effect is salvation. 
And yet God had no grace, no love for those angels, Satan and his horde that fell from heaven more than we loved ourselves. You do understand that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and man sinned, when Adam sinned, man sinned, all sinned, we died, we came short of the glory and honor of God. We were separated from God. And by the way, we didn't care. Once we died in sin, we had no desire for God, no love for God. God's love for us was greater than our love for ourselves. Uh, first of all, because even though we realize we don't know God, we have no desire to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him. My friend, behold, well, what kind of love is this? That God loves people who don't love Him and makes a way, moves in their heart, illuminates their mind, and draws them to Himself, and changes their heart, saves their soul in spite of their hatred for Him. God sent His Son into the hands of angry sinners to do to His Son exactly what He knew angry sinners would do, which is murder Him, hang Him on the cross. God allowed His Son to die for people who would murder Him if they could just get their hands on Him. Wow, I know a guy who wrote a book that was called What Love Is This? But he was really questioning the love of a certain group of people. May I say that he should have titled that book Concerning the Love That God Had for Lost Mankind When He Sent His Son to Die for Us. Well, we see the ones who loved. We see the objects of His love. But I want to spend just a minute here the evidence of His love. You look again at verse 5. It says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And here's the evidence that He gave Himself for us. You see, human, human love works like this. You see somebody, you, you think, wow, that's, that's, that looks like a nice person. Well, that's a pretty person. Or something is attractive about that person. And I want to get to know that person and uh, spend a little time getting to know them. And as you gradually uh, grow in your knowledge of each other and, and uh, your friendship, then slowly it turns into a love. And, and slowly that love is, is reciprocated. And then that love is... Uh, well, it becomes... You know, a pouring out of our hearts and our souls and the giving of ourselves to each other. But that's not the way it is with God, is it? You see, God gives everything all at once. It's not a slow burn, but it's all of a sudden God shows up in your life and the love of God is shed abroad. I mean that everything that He is and everything that He did it's poured into your heart and into your mind and it just fills, floods, and controls every ounce, every inch, every fiber of your senses. And it literally just takes you away from who you were and who you used to be and you'll never, ever be the same again. Now I know that you can say that to some people and they look at you like, a calf looking at a new gate. They don't have a clue. They don't have any idea 
what it is that you're talking about. And the reason is, is that they never really experienced that. All they experienced is, well, my mom and my daddy took me to church when I was a little boy or a little girl, and I went to Sunday school, and I started learning Sunday school stories about who Jesus is. And the longer I stayed in church, the more I knew about Him. And now I realized that I was a sinner, and I gave Him my heart, and I asked Him to forgive me of my sins, and I got baptized and joined the church, and now I go to Sunday school. See, where is the love of God in that? Where is the passion? Where is the head over heels madly, passionately in love with a person that has swept you off your feet and taken control of every fiber of your your instincts and your life and everything that you are that you have surrendered to that other person that they might live their life literally on the inside of you. That they take control of your senses, your mind, your will, your emotions and who you are will never be the same. Now I might want to ask my wife if she has experienced that with me right about now. But I'm just picking, darling. I know that that is true. But the truth is, is has it really ex- had that experience in us with Christ? Notice this, that uh, the evidence of His love in that He gave Himself is that it was a voluntary offering. He gave himself willingly now i had to you know it was kind of like the caveman thing uh, carrying your club hit her in the head and you grab her by the hair and you drag her to the house right That's, <laughs> my wife is laughing but it uh it may have actually come pretty close to being that way <laughs> at the outset of our relationship but uh, i i think pretty much That is also true with the love of God in my life. He showed up in a a part of my life when I was not looking for Him. I was not in love with Him. I did not want Him. I didn't really believe in Him. I said I did, but I didn't. If I did, I would have surrendered my life to Him. But He revealed Himself to me. And that revealing Himself to me. You see, that is, that is when, when God gave Himself literally on the cross and shed His blood and died. That was the gift that He hits all of us over the head with that fall in love with Him. All of a sudden, we realize who we are and what God did. And it illuminates. It's not like the caveman when he hits you in the head with a stick and it knocks you out. No, it knocked me awake. It brought me to life. All of a sudden I realized what it was that God had willingly, Jesus Christ had purposely done for me. That He had gone to the cross and shed His blood and died for me. Now I love the verse in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 where it says, He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. Where it says that, you know, Jesus Christ voluntarily, purposely went to the cross, shed His blood and died for me. He gave Himself, what it says in verse 2 there of chapter 5. He gave Himself for me. How can He be satisfied with that? He shall see the travail, the suffering, the agony of His soul. And He shall be satisfied. Well, only if He gets what He paid for. My friend, I am so glad that God gets what He paid for. Oh, wait a minute. God the Father 
For he, God the Father, shall see the travail of his, God the Son, so, and he, God the Father, shall be satisfied. How can God the Father be satisfied with the price Jesus Christ paid? Oh, well, because the payment was sufficient. Christ gets what he paid for. God receives the payment that is due him. And both of them are satisfied with the finished product because Christ was willing to go to the cross and shed His blood and die for me voluntarily. But it was not only a voluntary offering, it was a vicarious sacrifice. You know what vicarious means? That means something that was done on behalf of somebody else. If I went to the you know, electric place here in Vidalia, and you had a light bill that was overdue, and your lights were turned off, and I went up there and said, uh, you know, so-and-so's got a light bill, and their lights are turned off. How much do they owe? And they gave me the bill, and I, I paid the bill, and they turned the lights back on. Now, I went and paid a light bill, but I didn't pay my own bill. Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross and shed His blood to pay His debt to God. He was not a sinner. But Jesus Christ showed His love for us in that He was willing to go to the cross and shed His blood and not only pay the debt of sin, but literally to become sin Himself for those who did not care for Him. Those that would not have paid His debt had His lights been turned off. I'll promise you that. But that He went and paid a vicarious price, a sacrifice, a substitution. He died for us. He bore our sins in His body, the Bible says, on the tree. But I think it's more than that. He didn't just bear my sin. He became my sin. And the wrath of God was poured out on Him as though He were pouring out His wrath on me. It was a voluntary offering. It was a vicarious sacrifice. But it was a sweet-smelling savor. You look at what that says. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in the love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Can you get that picture? Now you see, you have two pictures here. You have the picture of the sweet-smelling savor of the death of Christ. The death of His Son hanging on a tree, shredded, bleeding, suffering, crying in anguish, dying. And God in heaven going, And you have that picture in comparison to me hanging on a cross and shedding my blood and dying and winding up in my death being cast into a lake of fire and burning. And the smoke, the Bible says in in Revelation, the smoke of their torment. What a picture that is, right? That it is either the sweet-smelling savor of the sacrifice of Christ, or it's the sweet-smelling savor of the sacrifice of myself for eternity in a lake of fire. But we do understand that one way or the other, we will be a sweet-smelling savor to Christ. One unto life and one unto death, the Bible says, but a sweet-smelling savor 
nonetheless. In me, the Bible says, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But it also says, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ye are complete in Him. You see, you're only complete. A, a, a finished work, maturity, come to fruition in the love of Christ. When you bend the knee and bow the head and you surrender your heart and your soul and everything that you are to everything that He is, then and only then are you fulfilled, are you complete in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We see the evidence in, of, of, of His love in that He gave Himself. But here's something else. We see the fruit of His love in us. Now I want you to turn back to chapter 4 and look at verse 29. And the reason that I do that, because in chapter 1, I mean chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Be therefore followers of Him. Therefore means that you've got to go back to what was previously said. In the chapter before, in verse 29 through 32, you find these words. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. That scares me half to death when I read that verse. To realize that I as a child of God, I who have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me, I who have the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me can grieve that same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me. Verse 31 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And where it says here in that last verse, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God. Do you understand the fruit of this love in us is to be followers of God. Be ye followers of God as dear children. The love of Christ is to constrain us to be imitators. See, the love of God shed abroad in our heart. The love of Christ, the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of us constrains us to follow after God. That's why my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They don't run amok and run astray and run all over this earth doing the things that the flesh demands to the, to the body to do. 
It's the mind, will, and emotions that have now come under the control of the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And we become followers of God because the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts. And we become imitators of the One who loved us and gave Himself for us. We become imitators of that love. Patience, purity, devotion, and self-constraint. Do you understand that we bring ourselves under subjection? It's not only followers of God, but there in, in that second verse of chapter 5, it says this, and walk in love. You want to know what the fruit of the Spirit living on the inside of us? Being followers of God and walking in love. As Christ loved this world and gave Himself for it, then we love Christ, we walk as Christ walked, and we give ourselves, not so much for the world, but for Him. We give ourselves for Him because we love Him. Not because we think we're going to get something back from Him. You see, that's not love, that's lust. That's wanting something back more than what we're putting in or giving to it. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, "...who gave Himself for our sins." that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and the Father. And then, of course, another one of my favorite verses, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Does that mean anything to you? That He loved you. He loved you enough to die for you. He loved you enough to die for you that you might be able to live for Him who loved me and gave Himself for me that I might give myself to Him. Be followers of God. The love of Christ shed abroad in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we do love You. We, we thank You for loving us, God. We couldn't, we wouldn't love You had You not first loved us. Thank You for taking our place, for catching our ability, for dying in our stead. Help us, God, to live in Your place here in this world. A life, God, that You would still be living. A life of love and and peace, and holiness, and righteousness, if you had not died for us. God, forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. If there are those that are lost under the sound of my voice, how I pray, O oh God, that you'll move in their hearts, that you'll draw them to yourself, and save them before it's everlasting too late. And we'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can take a hymn book.